everybody, welcome back to Discipleship Podcast. Just want to give you an update for the fall of 2023. We are talking about how to make the kingdom of God tangible in our everyday lives throughout the week. And on Sunday, we're meeting as house church. So these recordings will be a little more intimate and interactive, and you may even hear some group discussion, but I think you will enjoy it. Please, if you do, leave us a review, uh, go check out our Disciple Makers YouTube channel, and be sure to share about it with your friends. Thank you so much, and now, here's the episode. Is it the final judgment or the eternal judgment I'm supposed to speak of? It's one of those two. So I was going through it, and then the thing that made all the difference was one verse, which is Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. And by the way, I'm going to give you the outlines afterwards that have all the scriptures. So, but this is the one that really set the tone for, for today. It was, therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. So I said, okay, well, since that means it's an elemental teaching, then it can't be too difficult, right? <laughs> so it's like, all right, looking at it that way, then, uh, you know, maybe this is going to be such a, uh, a problem to put this together. Then I thought, then the other thing Joey said was, he said, well, I also gave it to you because you're a lawyer, and so the, the thought came up, he said, well, okay. So judgment, so I came up with this idea of the difference between an eternal judgment and a final judgment in the context of the law. So, I had some, so the difference between the two, the first one is, that God is powerful. I'd cite Jeremiah 32, 17, and Matthew. Are they recording this? Yes. Oh, okay, then I'll, then I'll read you so it's on the, on the thing. So it's Jeremiah 32, 17, Matthew 19, 26. So God's all powerful. A judge is not. A judge is definitely not all powerful. Even though they might think they are, they are not. Okay? Two, God's wisdom is greater than any man's. Romans 11, 33, and 1 Corinthians 1, 3. God is righteous. Psalm 7, 11. A judge is not. And for that, I'm going to say Romans 3, 23. Unless I get in trouble with any judges or anything out there. They're not righteous because in the sense that you look at it, the Bible says there's not one righteous man out of one. It's only Jesus. So no matter how good of a judge they might be, they're not really righteous. Now, I guess you might look at, that's the definition that's in the Bible, but the definition of righteous from the Cambridge Dictionary is morally correct. So, there could be times when the judge is morally correct. And there could be times that they're not. Yeah, not no guarantee on it. So, thinking about that theme or subject, you'll see there's sort of a relationship to the next ones. 
that God is impartial and fair and just. Ephesians 6.9, Hebrews 6.10, 2 Thessalonians 1.5-10. So while God is impartial, fair, and just, the judge may not be. So I think it doesn't take much to look at the news and see the different things that are out there. And you can see that some of the judges, uh, you know, there's good judges and there's bad judges, just like people. You know, and some are better and some are not. Some are just terribly unjust and unfair. There was, I think, that, just, that judge that was just uh, removed for like 15 ethical violations where he was you know, doing all kinds of bad stuff. So bad that they just, the, the, the Supreme Court or whatever that state was, just knocked the guy off the bench. So you, you don't always know that your judge is going to be impartial, fair, or just. And I can tell you this from a personal experience as well. So having been in front of some that were not really impartial. But the next one is, God will judge with justice. So I look at Acts 17.31 and 2 Thessalonians 1, 6-10. But a judge may not. You know, a judge may not have justice. So, you know, you see it in the, in the headlines all the time. Things that you look at and go, well, how in the world did that come out? And so you go, okay. So the judge may or may not be just. Next one is, God will not hold back his wrath forever. So that's name 1, 2, 3, Romans 2, 5, 6, and then compared to Romans 1, 18. Now, what I would say there is, you know, the judge might not ever have any wrath, because, you know, just like we see in the papers that there are those prosecutors that uh, won't prosecute crimes now, there are some judges that won't, that won't do anything about it. That's one of the reasons why they have the Fair Sentencing Act where there's supposed to be these mandatory guidelines, it was because of the concern that some of the judges, you know, they could be, some could be really heavy-handed, and some would be nothing. And so they tried to make it so it was a little bit more uniform. But there are some judges that, you know, that for whatever their political beliefs or whatever, they just, they, they won't enforce things. They won't, they won't do it, you know, they'll let people off. The last one was that God's judgment is final. And, Whereas a final judgment in the law, which has a particular meaning, is not necessarily final. So in the legal thing, when you get done with the case, you get what's, you get a judgment and you get a final judgment. So, and that's the so-called end of the case. But the final judgment is not really final because you can appeal it. And even if a final judgment is entered, you can move to set aside a judgment at one uh, I got a final judgment against somebody that came up, they set it aside saying they never were served with the papers. So people can come back and collaterally attack the judgment. Uh, and obviously, since we have appellate courts, you know that sometimes they reverse. And then we know that sometimes they go to the Supreme Court and they reverse sometimes. So just because you got a final judgment, that doesn't mean that you really have a final judgment legally. And even if you have a final judgment, it's gone through all those things. Uh, it doesn't mean that it can't be collaterally attacked later on. You know, so the same thing might come up and, uh, you know, it might get reversed later. So it, it isn't really final in the, it's final, it's supposed to be final, but it's not final in the sense that God's judgment is going to be final. So there's no appeal from God's judgment, no stay, no reconsideration, it's it. So that's one big difference. So what is God's eternal judgment? That's the next point. 
And this is the, uh, uh, okay, so the first thing is, it will only be rendered through Jesus Christ, who has authority to judge and give eternal life. That's John 5, 21 to 24, which if we could read that. Yeah. John 5, 21 through 24, reading from the NLT says, For just as the Father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone he wants. In addition, the Father judges no one. Instead, he has given the Son absolute authority to judge, so that everyone will honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent him. I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me to have eternal life, they will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death to life. So, Jesus is going to be the judge, which is good to know. I mean, it's good to know for us. Some people might not like that. Maybe they want to try to get their judgments. But Jesus is going to be the judge, and that's, that's one big difference. Uh, and I, I've probably already said, but the final judgment being final, but the thing with the eternal judgment is by its nature, it will last forever. So it will never be reconsidered. There will never be a change. It will never be reversed. Uh, once it's rendered, that's it. And that would be Matthew 25, 46. So, uh, what is God's eternal judgment? Well, this is the heaven versus hell part of the, of the uh, thing. But some, you know, people, heaven and hell, you know, we get the guy who goes around the street corner, what, what do they say, you know, judgment is coming, or judgment is near, or, you know, repent, or you'll go, you'll suffer eternal damnation, all those kinds of things. So, rather than heaven or hell, what I'm going to call it today, because it kind of is heaven and hell, but what the Bible calls it is Lake of Fire and New Jerusalem. So, it's a choice between the Lake of Fire and New Jerusalem. And i got to say, you know, you can look, there's a lot of things in the Bible, there's different parallel scriptures, different things, different themes, and you look at it, you go, well, Okay, we, we heard earlier that Luke, not Luke, but uh, Paul was saying that, that eternal judgment is an elementary teaching. Well, there's really, I would argue, there's not really that much that's taught about heaven and hell. So what you do get is not, not really too many, too many details. So Jesus talks about the fire of hell. He says that a couple times. He says, you know, I'm about... Don't do something better to cut your hand off than risk the fire of hell. So an example, that's Matthew 18, 9. So, fire of hell. And we also know that there's, there's Dante's Inferno. If ever, and if anyone's ever read that, you know, it's something that you just don't really forget. You know, and it's especially good when you realize that people tell you that some of the people that were named in the book were politicians and people of note at the time. And they were assigned different layers, different levels of place of hell. So it was, you know, kind of a personal attack on some of these people. You know, so that, that kind of makes it a little bit more interesting. So you can imagine if you were to write it today, you, you, we could probably all figure out some people that we would put at the different levels of it. But so the question is, now is that really, is that really biblical? There's nothing, there's nothing like it. It's, it's fanciful. And, you know, an author is entitled to do really whatever they want to do. But... When you look at the Bible, you know, it doesn't really, it doesn't really say that, it doesn't really suggest that it might be true, but I will say 
that the Bible does suggest there will be differing levels of punishment. It doesn't say it directly, but it does suggest that. And I would say, look at Matthew 10, 15, Matthew 11, yeah, I've got a typo there, 224, so it's got to be something in that range. Uh, Luke 12, 48, and James 2, 13. So there is that, there is that suggestion that you know, some people will be better off than others. Uh, but you're all casting, you know, the people that are, the, the judgment is you're casting the lake of fire, so, you know, is it really going to be different? You know, it's kind of hard to know. And, you know, the point is, we don't really want to know anyhow, because <laughs> we don't want to be in that side. And, and what does it, you know, what does it really matter what it is? It's going to be, it's going to be bad to begin with. So the Bible is, doesn't spend a whole lot of time talking about the lake of fire. And, and you got to remember, you got to distinguish that from Hades, which is different. And, but the lake of fire, and what about on, so we have the lake of fire, so what about the New Jerusalem? Well, on the New Jerusalem side, it has more in the Bible, and I, I've always been a little, I've had mixed feelings about this description, because I look at it, and I know it's supposed to be great, but I always think in my mind, somehow I got in my mind that whatever I think is great, God can do more, so if it's described, it can be better. And it's just, a, I don't know if that's biblical or not, but that's my mindset on that. So I kind of look at it, and even though it talks about, you know, it goes down and talks about the cubits and the, the cubits, how many cubits it is, and how big it is, and the gates, and they're all like these gemstones and stuff. You know, to me, I, maybe it's, you know, I'm just, it, to me, it's sort of a strange thing. I think, well, I'm not sure if that's supposed to be an actual statement or whether it's just allegorical. So, I mean, we'll find out. But it does, it, we do have the New, New Jerusalem is in Revelations 20, uh, chapter 21, through 22, verse 5. So it gets a lot more, it gets a lot more coverage, a lot more scope in the Bible than the Lake of Fire. Uh, you know, and there's some description of what it is. I mean, we have nothing like that for the Lake of Fire, just the Lake of Fire, you know, burning and all this stuff. So uh, maybe that's because you're better to be in that than in the Lake Fire, so bigger description. Okay, so in terms of the eternal judgment, what is certain between these different things? Well, I think no matter what you look at it, there are a couple things that we do know are entirely certain that the Bible does describe for us. And that is that on the one hand, you have eternal punishment so that's what's the eternal punishment and banishment from God. And the other one, you have the eternal presence in God. So those are the two different things that you're going to look at, no matter how you look at heaven, hell, lake of fire, New Jerusalem. Those are going to be the are going to be big factors in it. So, next topic I thought of was the aspects of God's eternal judgment. So the first one, which comes out, these are pretty much paraphrased from the Bible verses. So the first thing is that the judgment, the eternal judgment, I mean, I'll wait till they, they get it. So the first point is that the eternal judgment will be of the living and of the dead. And for that, we have John 5. 
25 to 29, Acts 10, 42, Hebrews 9, 27, Revelations 20, 12. So, living and the dead, that means that the Bible says that the people that have died will be, will be risen for the purposes of judgment. Now, I heard Anthony say last week when we were talking about the Sadducees that they didn't believe in, in the rebirth. And then I, you know, I thought, it, it, for some reason, I, I didn't really know that or think about it. And I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. And then I was doing the research on this, and this is right there in the Bible, you know, the Sadducees who, who don't believe in the resurrection. I go, well, how could I have not known that? You know, I guess this is why you've got to study your Bible all the time, because you keep forgetting these things or you overlook them. But it was right there at Clayton Print. I said, oh. Okay, I guess that wasn't such a revelation, but you know. <laughs> but there it is. So it, the, the living and the dead will be judged. The second thing is that the eternal judgment will bring every deed to light, even secrets. And that would be Ecclesiastes 12, 13 to 14, Matthew 12, 36, Romans 2, 16. And the reason that happens is because nothing in creation is hidden from God's sight. Hebrews 4, 13. So... You know, no matter what's out there, whatever we've done, whatever people have done, there will be a judgment for it. So it's not like you're ever going to get away with things. People think, you know, you get away with it, or maybe people have been getting away with it for a long time. We could think of some people in the news say, man, they've been getting away with it for a really long time. Maybe they get away with it forever, but they're not going to get away with it at the time of the eternal judgment. Mm -hmm. The next one, I'll just give you the citation first. Matthew 25, 31 to 46. And this one you're going to know right away, people that are familiar with the Bible, because it's, it's not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will be saved. So, now some people are going to think that they're saved, and they get out there, and they get in there, and that's the, that's the, what Jesus was talking about, separating the goats from the sheep. You know, and so some people will sit there and they say, you know, that believe they're going to be saved, but they're not going to be. Um, the next aspect of it is, and this one this one is stated clearly, that is that believers will receive a crown of righteousness. It says that in 2 Timothy 4 uh, chapter 4 verse 8. So it also says in Revelation that some of the people are going to throw their crowns in front of Jesus, but it does say that we, that the believers and people that go to the New Jerusalem, you will get a crown of righteousness. Next point is, and this is this is one that I think is interesting for a lot of reasons, but the earth will be destroyed in the day of the Lord. Second Peter 3.10. Now, I missed what he's happening, but oh, we'll keep going. The, uh, but the earth will be destroyed. Now, why, why do I think that's interesting? Well, everything in the in the in the earth will be destroyed, so it'll be all consumed. So we like to think, especially because we live here in this area, and then we go out to see the mountains, and we see all God's majesty, and Oregon has all these natural things, and we look at all that. But you know, that's all going to be gone. Mm -hmm. Everything is going to be destroyed. So. From a personal standpoint, I'm looking at it, I go, you know, uh, you you can have your opinions on global warming, on you know ecology, upon all those things, you know, and, and you listen to some of these people, they say, oh, you know, like, you know, we got to worry because there could be a comet that could come and hit the Earth and destroy us, you know, and Mother Earth and all that. But 
you know, all that stuff is really nonsense when you think about it. Because the way that the earth is going to be destroyed, it is going to be destroyed eventually. And it's going to be destroyed in the day of judgment. So that's what God says. So, you know, all this stuff about nature and all that, you know, I think it puts it in a little different perspective if you remember that. Another aspect about this, about the eternal judgment, is it will be a day of judgment for the angels and for Satan. So the, the, the citation for that is Jude 6. And this will be the time where, you know, the, the, the Satan, who was an angel, obviously, or maybe not obviously, but he was. He was the, the number one angel, and he fell. And then you have the angels that were with him, and some of them are being held in dungeons, they say, for the day of judgment. Some are running around. Maybe they're like the demons uh, that, that we hear about. But anyhow, you, you have these, these angels that have, that have gone, gone bad. And, and, and uh, obviously, Satan went bad. So they're running around free now, but they are going to have a day of judgment. And the day of judgment, they're going to be thrown in the fiery lake. So that's what's going to happen to them. And that will be the end of their uh, carousing, let's call it. Next thing is, this is Hebrews 10.31. And I looked at it and I thought, well, it doesn't hurt to say it. But what it says in that verse is, it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So it's sort of a warning, but when you think about it, you know, so a being that is all-powerful and has given people chances and decides to bring judgment, uh, that's not the kind of judge you want to be on the wrong side of. So it's bad enough to be in court and be on the wrong side of the judge, but you know, being there for eternal judgment and uh, if you're going the wrong way, that's not good. And the last point I had on this was it's different. So the eternal judgment I'm going to talk about is different from appearing before the judgment seat of Christ. And I, I point that out because I'm not going to get into that because it's then it would just be this elementary teaching that was easier to do. But there are some scriptures here. There's, it really comes up three places. And the thing to do is to be a little bit careful if you see these, especially like if you're researching things on eternal judgment and you look at this, this isn't really the same thing. So you gotta be careful not to use those verses, I think, for what the judgment is where there's believers and non-believers. And those three scriptures are Romans 4, 10 to 12, 1 Corinthians 3, 10, uh, verses 4, no, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10, through chapter 4, verse 5, and 2 Corinthians 5, 1 to 10. So well, that's what the, you know, what the eternal judgment is and some aspects of it. And then what I thought about now was that the topic here is that one thing that we should realize is that the eternal judgment will be based upon our own choice. Okay? And that's that's something to repeat. My judgment and your my judgment is going to be based on my choice. Your judgment is going to be based on your choice. It's going to be no one's choice but your own. So you got only yourself to blame or to be happy for this. And so I'm thinking that that this is somewhat 
when you look at this, it's somewhat analogous to in the Old Testament when you had Moses and he separated the, the tribes. He put six on one mountain and six on the other mountain. He said, you go up there on the one, you go up on the, on the one mountain and you say, if you follow the law, these are all the blessings you're going to get. The other six, they go up on the other mountain, tribes, and if you don't follow the law, these are the curses you're going to get. So it's blessings, curses. You know, it's up to the people. Of course, we know what happened is that they had blessings for a while, but you invariably get, go end up getting curses. And why is that? Well, Ecclesiastes 9.3 says the problem with men's hearts is they are full of evil and madness. Evil and madness. And that's always the case. So that's just how we are. We're fallen. So no matter how much people think that they're going to try, you know, our, our hearts are evil, and even more so, the madness. So maybe what's the madness mean? Well, you know, madness might mean that when you're faced with a choice that would be stupid not to take, you take the stupid one because you're madness, because of the madness, because you just can't get around it. So that being so, and you got the choice of, of Lake of Fire and... New Jerusalem, but we know that our heart is evil, filled with evil and madness, so what's the person to do? Well, I would say that the believers have the Holy Spirit to help us, and that's the big difference. So Luke 11, 9-13, John 14, 26, Ephesians 3, 14-19. So on our own, we may not be able to do the right thing, and make the right choice. We may be prone to we, we know we're going to be prone to evil, to evil deeds. Uh, because even, when, you know, once, even once you're saved, you're still going to make mistakes. And you don't become little Jesuses and run around perfect. You know, so it's going to be that you're going to, you're going to, make, you're going to fall. And, but the way to avoid, to, to minimize that and to avoid the madness is to ask the Holy Spirit to help you and to guide you. And the next point here on the eternal judgment, being our choice, is that it's a gift of eternal life is given freely to those willing to accept it. That's in Romans 6.23 and Ephesians 2.8-9. So, it's a free gift. It's, it's not something that you have to work for. We know that. It's not, you don't work for your salvation. It's a free gift. So, but does that mean, does that mean once you got it, you know, does, is this like, uh, you know, we uh, pray Jesus into our heart and now that we did that, we're forever saved and we can do whatever we want. That's what some people would say. And I wouldn't say that, but I've heard people say that. You know, once, once saved and you pray him into your heart, once saved, always saved. Without getting into that theology, because that's also going beyond the elementary teachings that this is supposed to be, I would have three points here for everyone to consider. One is we need to obey, not just hear God's message, which is the gospel of Jesus. And for that, we have 2 Thessalonians 1, 5 to 10, James 1, 22 to 25. Next one is that we should be ready. And so an example here is Luke 12, 40. And this is where, um, you, you know, we should be ready. So not take it for granted. The last one is we should be diligent. And this one we are going to have a reading on, which is 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. But before we read that, let me give you other sites, which are Hebrews 6, 11 to 12, 
12, 1 to 2, and Revelations 3, 2 to 3. But now if we could get the reading on 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, I would appreciate it. It says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wealth, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So, you know, when you, when you really think about that, that last phrase, lest I myself should be disqualified, and who's saying that? That's Paul that's saying that. You know, and for him to say that, you know, I mean, we can rightly think, you know, Paul's kind of a hero of the uh, New Testament. He wrote most of the books. He was in there. He was, you know, he has a supernatural experience with Jesus. He's, he's pointed out here. And Paul is saying that. So I, I think the point on this is, or what I would say, is when you look at the, the question here, so the eternal judgment is based on our choice. So if, if whether you're going to be in the Lake of Fire or New Jerusalem, if it's your choice, how important is that to you? I mean, we spend, how many decisions do we make in our lives? We make a lot of decisions. Who are you going to get married? Where are you going to, job you're going to take? Where are you going to live? You know, what you're going to do? And some of these, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time researching different ones, doing different things. You know, we, we spend time doing these decisions. But what about this one? This is the most important decision that anyone will ever make in their lives. It's internal destiny, faith. You know, again, I like to use my hands here. Lake of Fire, New Jerusalem. One or the other. So as important as this is, you know, even if you're feeling good, I think it's good for us to go back to elementary teachings just to remind ourselves what's at stake here. And to be diligent. To be, you know, to be ready, like I said. To be thinking about these things lest we forget and if Paul is saying this, I think the warning is, is clear, or the, the suggestion is, is clear, that because it is so important, we should pay attention to it. It's something we should remember and, and really say. We want to get, it doesn't matter what you get right in your life. If, if you get this one wrong, <laughs> you're screwed. I mean, that's what it comes down to. You're not screwed. You're royally screwed eternally forever. So I'd say get that one right. Now, on that, on that then, about getting the decision right, I thought, well, you know, one of the things that we, we could talk about, they may or may not apply, but these are at least things that we've heard and that we might hear people say. So what are some attitudes that I suggest will or could lead to the fire of the light? Well, the first one is, you know, some people would say, there is no God. You know, the old famous thing back in the New York Times, back or, or the Times, whatever it was, back in the 70s, it said God is dead. Okay, it's not dead, so it means God was alive. But it's the same kind of thinking, that, you know, there is no God or God's dead. Well, that, that's obviously not going to get you. It's, that's going to get you down on the fire today late. So I'd say on that one, go look at Psalms 14.1. The next one is, and you hear this, you hear this one actually quite often. You hear this in the news and... They'll tell you, you know, if you don't believe this, you're, you're just an intolerant person. And that is, Jesus is not the only path to heaven. I mean, how often do we hear that? There's more that people say, oh, there's, it's good that you believe in Jesus, but, you know, there's other ways you can get to heaven. 
you know, you can do it, I can do it through the seventh layer of consciousness or whatever this other stuff is, you know, the different religions and things. <coughs> I'd say on this one, John 12:48, and the one we're going to read, which is 3:18. John 3.18 There is no judgment against anyone who believes in Him, but anyone who does not believe Him, believe in Him, has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the, the thing on that one is, it comes only two verses after John 3.16, which probably about everybody in the world, maybe not everybody, but it's one, you know, other than like yeah. Psalm 23, everybody knows John 3, 16, you know, for God to love the world, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, then they, they like to cite you that one, but they don't like to go just to later because that's the one that goes against what they want to say, which is they can do whatever they want. Yeah. So they always take that one without, you know, without getting the, the entire thing. So another attitude, I think, which is bad, is God does not care about my sin. You know, some people might say that. They go, you know, what's it matter if I sin here or there? God doesn't care. You know, he lets people get away. God doesn't care about sin. And I'd say, go see Romans 6.23, and that's not a good attitude to have. It's not the right attitude, and it won't get you in the right place. Next one is, <coughs> some people might say, well, God won't judge me. You know, sometimes you hear that. Oh, God won't judge me. You know, I'm too insignificant, or he's too busy, or you know, whatever. I'd say, okay, yeah, go see Revelations 20, 12, 22, 12. There will be judgment of you for everybody. Then here's one. Now I don't have a scripture for this one, but we've all heard this one, right? This is the common thing that so many people say. A loving God will not put people in hell. How often do you hear that one? Okay. There's no scripture on that. It's just completely unbiblical. It's completely fanciful. And it's like saying, you know, if you're sitting there and you're about to get executed, you could say, a loving state will not execute me. You know, I mean, it's, it's just, it, it's, it's wrong. There's no basis for it. And it goes against everything the Bible says, but you hear it a lot of times from people. Now the last one, the last one I've been guilty of, but luckily God's grace has, has forgiven me for this. But you know, some people have the attitude, I can repent and follow God in the future. Okay? And this one I say, compare, look at Matthew 24, 42 to 44, Luke 12, 40, 2 Peter 3, 10. And I know, like when I was when I was in eighth grade, I kind of had this thing where I had this experience where I thought, you know, I, I had this personal experience with God, and I really thought I was, you know, had this this thing, and so I, I felt like I, I had this, you know, like I was saying, had a salvation thing there, but <clears throat> then I wanted to go on and I wanted to do my own thing, you know, I didn't want to be a Jesus freak or something like that, so I. I wanted to go. To, I wanted to go to you know high school, not so much high school, but college. I wanted to. Do, I wanted to do what I wanted to do, and so I planned things. I you know, attracted a lot of different things, and it was always like, well, here's the goal that I have for this. So I want this goal, and then my next goal is this, 
and my next goal is this, and then those goals pretty much followed, and I went through all those, but then at the end, it wasn't good, and that, and, you know, luckily, some people met me in the park and got me to, you know, got me saved. But, you know, had, during that time, over those, what is it, over 20 years, 20 plus years, I mean, there was no guarantee that I wouldn't have died. There, there were several times I could have died. I had let my life pass before me several times in different things. So it was only God's grace that saved me. And the thing is, we don't know when your day is up. You know, your day is written. It's, it's up somewhere, but we don't know when it is. So when you're when you're sitting there and saying, "Well, man, you know, I I, I want to be saved, but I want to I want to have some fun first. I want to do things I want to do." You know, I want to live. I want to experience these things. I'll, I'll, I'll do it later. You know, but you know, later may not ever come. So it's like you're playing Russian roulette. You know, and which is not a good thing to do. But you're playing Russian roulette with eternity. But I said I did. So I know. I, you know, it, it 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 happens. But that's what people will think. They'll say, you know, I'll take care of it later. I'm going to live to be older. You know, I need to get I need to get married. I need to. I need to go through school, I need to get a job, I need, you know, I raise a kid, whatever it is you need. So I'd say that one does not necessarily have to lead to the fire lake, but it might. Because mm -hmm. you just don't know how much time you've got. So the other ones, I think pretty sure they're wrong and they will lead you there if you don't repent for them. Mm -hmm. So with all this having been said, so now I'm gonna do the, the part where, okay, so we've talked a lot about the fire lake, different things. So how about some good news for believers? So we'll at least we'll get in on a good note here. And one thing we do know is, because after all, this is the thing we, we, these are the things we know, but it's good to review the other ones. So believers will inherit the kingdom of God. That's Matthew 25, 31, 34. And then I think this is something that really sums it up. And so when we when we hear the next next the last verse read, I want you to listen for these three things because <clears throat> three things come out that stand out to me in the scripture is the new Jerusalem will entail three things. Okay, one is eternal life. Second is being with God. And then the third one, which is a little bit more of a nuanced one, is that we'll be in the majesty of God's power. Now, and it does say those three things, so it's not just that we're in his presence, but the majesty of his power. And you think about, well, that might mean that, you know, you think it like the power is, the, the world is here, everything was spoken in the creation. You know, God can do all kinds of things, and that's all his, the majesty of his power that, we're, that only people in the New Jerusalem world will see. People are like the fire or not. You know, but so it is, it's sort of an interesting concept, but it is a separate way. So now if we could read 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 5 to 10. It says, This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are also suffering. Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you, and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God 
and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. And when, when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. Yep. Okay. The, uh, so I guess in sum that said in the beginning that the eternal judgment is an elementary teaching. So it's something we should all know. Um, we don't talk about it all that often, but we should, and we should be able to tell people about it because it is an elementary teaching. Mm -hmm. And people think of it as, you know, heaven and hell. But if you look through the Bible, I mean, it is, but this lake of fire, New Jerusalem, the concepts, whether you're with God or you're, this is the hand that's with God, this is the hand away from God. You're banished from God or with God, and looking at that, and and the concept of eternity, which is something that there's no way that we can really understand it. Some, I read something about time is something that was created for for humans, but it really didn't exist before that. So it's it's kind of like you know God was there in the beginning and is always going to be there, and really the, the time doesn't have a concept. We have time because we live and we die, but we don't know what the concept of eternity really is or how it's going to be there, but it's pretty clear whether there's going to be there's torment, tormenting over in the lake of fire or not. You want to be on the right side and something that's important and you want to be able to tell people about it. So it's really that some thing, and also the fact is that it's up to everybody to make the choice for themselves. Nobody can tell you which thing, somebody can tell you what you should choose, like somebody I know says, you have to do this, but nobody has to do anything. <laughs> so it's always up to you and your own choice. And the other thing I would have is to, to is something I think it's worth considering and reviewing that we're ready, that we're diligent on it. Like Paul said, he doesn't want to be disqualified. We don't become too complacent. We don't want to forget what's really at stake here. And what we're fighting for, mm -hmm. and that's the eternal judgment being on the right side. Of it. I'll leave these up here for anybody who wants them. I got it's got all the scriptures cited. Mm -hmm.